This is a people who loves the presence of God. I can feel it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I've been experiencing that. We've been in Cape Town and Wellington and here. And each place that we've had meetings, people are gathering that honor the presence of God and recognize his presence in the midst of us. You know, God, you're here. You're here in the midst of your people. I mean, what a wonder that is. What an awesome, whoo, what an awesome wonder that the living God, I mean, not only that Jesus came, you know, from heaven as the most fragile and innocent thing, a baby, you know, submitting himself to a teenage girl to raise him up. I mean, how trusting was that? And yet, you know, after he accomplished his task, went to glory, you know, all authority in heaven and on earth are his. Then he comes and he says, when you gather in my name, I'm right here. He just comes to be with us. And he says, I put my Holy Spirit inside you, you know, just so that he can be innocent with us. You know, the, the, the living God of the universe just wants to be in us and with us and among us. That he's chosen. This is his choice, never to be God apart from mankind again. That he's, he will always be the God of his people and will be the people of God. What an honor. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and <laughs> we're in this amazing time. Uh, I came from Redding, California, and right before I came here, there was an earthquake in Redding. Now, I don't like destructive earthquakes, but I really like rumbling earthquakes. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The ground trembles. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, but it, it, you know, it says in Romans chapter 8 that the, the whole earth groans, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Here we are. Time to be revealed. And what I've been seeing since I've been here, and I saw it, I've seen it in three nations that I've been to. Uh, I travel all over the world, and, and there are three nations I, I've just seen uh, this amazing thing happen, and, and South Africa is one of them, and Germany is one, and Australia is one. And what I see is um, a whole people right on the threshold of entering in to the glory of God filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. That, that there's this, this open heaven that's pulling us in, that's wooing us, waiting for us to step in and go and take that authority of the sons and daughters of God and bring it into all the earth. And, you know, and the church has prayed for it. But, you know, we can pray back here. You know, we can, um, this was great. Wasn't that great worship team doing? Thank you. You know, but, but we can worship beautifully to a distant God. But he's calling for people to step into his very face and worship him face to face. And I see people beginning to be stirred to do that, to take that. I mean, it's courageous. And there, there's, you know, I love, the, I love the goodness of God, the joy of God, and I like the terror of God, too. I mean, coming face to face with God, there's a, a holy awe and terror because, you know, he's not just my buddy. He's God, holiness and fire. 
<laughs> and I know when I get in his face, everything's going to be consumed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> but what I'm seeing is, you know, in these three nations, I'm seeing, you know, a church, a, a, you know, a whole body of groups of believers in many places, hungry and pressing in for that experience of God to be face-to-face with God, to recognize his presence. And, and see, recognition is honor. You know, he's here because he says he's here. And I love it when we feel him and smell him and taste him and, you know, all of those different things. But when we don't have any sensory perception of his presence, we can recognize his presence based only on his word. His word says he's here. Jesus, you said when we gather together in your name, you're right here in the midst of us. And so we choose to honor your presence. And what if everything he said was true? Huh? (laughs) What? Imagine. (laughs) He says he's here. And so we honor your presence here, Jesus. You know, people have said, you know, what would you do if Jesus walked in the room, in, you, know, you know, in the physical and just walked among us? Well, he has. He's just invisible. But he says he's here. He says, I've put my Holy Spirit inside you. And whether we feel him or not, it's honor to recognize his presence and begin to live life as if, oh, wait. I'm carrying the holiness of God with me everywhere I go. What's the name of that spirit he put inside? Holy. I've got the holiness of God, all the holiness there is in the universe inside of me, walking around with it all the time. And he's looking for a people who will begin to recognize his presence based on his truth. We, We love manifestations of his presence, but just based on what he says, Will we honor and steward that presence? And, and I oversee the healing rooms, and it's, um, it's a divine experiment. We, we don't know what we're doing. Um, I mean, nobody knows how to heal the sick. Come on. <laughs> I'm sort of going to teach you how to heal the sick, but I don't know how to heal the sick, so it's okay. He's the healer. And, and, like, and like Pastor said, he is willing you know, I, I read that one time, and I, I thought, this is, I think this is really important. You know, this, this Jesus saying, I am willing. And, and so I looked it up, and, and there are two phrases for I am willing. And one of them is, uh, you know, like, you, you want to borrow my truck? And I go, sure, here are the keys. No, no worries. You know, that's one kind, but that's not what he used. The word that he used for I am willing is, yeah. This is what I came for. This is my purpose. This is why I'm here. You know, and he is the great I am. You know, Moses said, who shall I say sent me? I am. I mean, come on. How do you do that? (laughs) Pharaoh, uh, (laughs) I am sent me. (laughs) But that's his name. When the guards came to took G- take Jesus in the garden, you know, they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? <laughs> Remember what he said? He said, I am. And poof, the soldiers, armed soldiers, fell on their faces and hit the ground. 
And then he, he was kind to them because, you know, they couldn't take him, but he said, I gave myself for us. And so they get back up and they're, you know, like, <laughs> are you Jesus? And he was really kind. He just said, you know, he gave himself to them and didn't say, I am again. <laughs> so it's his name. I am willing. That's what I came for. That's my purpose. Healing isn't peripheral to the gospel. It's right at the center of the gospel. He came to destroy the works of the enemy, came to restore all things. And so we, we can have confidence that he's right here and he heals. And so we, um, my wife and I planted churches in Colorado and in little mountain villages high up in the mountains. I mean, one village was 432 people. We planted it. A little church there with, started with a home group, and it grew to 150 people and, you know, 50 kids. And, um, and people started coming from rural counties all around. And, uh, and then we planted a church in a ski resort near there, and it was really rough. We had to ski real fast down the mountain and get on, so we could get on the lift to evangelize. And then we had to ski down really fast down the mountain again so we could get on the lift again to, you know, share the gospel with somebody. And, no, somebody had to do it, so here am I, send me, God. <laughs> but a ski resort is a wonderful place for outreach, but it's a terrible place to try to grow the church because people move in and move out all the time. So we decided to start a school of the spirit uh, so we could take all of these snowboarders and ski bums and bartenders and people who were meeting Jesus, we could take them deep into an experience, an encounter with God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, teach them how to, um, you know, work with the Holy Spirit, how to respond, how to prophesy, how to heal the sick, how to raise the dead, how to do, you know, do all the things Jesus told us to do. I mean, remember what he told his disciples? He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Didn't he say that? Okay. And then he just sent them out. And if you read it in Luke, he never told them how to do it. Read it in Matthew. He never told them how to do it. He just sent them out. But he gave them power and authority. You see, if you're reading the book trying to figure out how to do it, technique isn't in the Bible. Miracles are in the Bible. And we have the miracle worker living inside, and he just wants to work with us. And so we decided we just need these, you know, all of these heathens who just came to Jesus to know him and be able to operate with him. So we started a school of the spirit, and we found that, you know, they could listen, they could hear God, they could prophesy, they could evangelize, they could do all kinds of things. And the ones uh, who you know, just came to Jesus for the first time in their life as, you know, young adults in, in the ski resort that they had no problem when we told them to heal the sick. They just believed everything God said was true. You know, Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. And you know what he said in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission? He said, go into all the nations, yep, and make disciples of all the nations. Go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations. Didn't he say that? Okay. Who here is from a nation? Anybody? Raise, raise your hand if you, can, if you are from a nation, any nation. 
not very many of you. Where did you come from? Outer, outer space? No. You need to respond. Who here is from a nation? Okay, yeah. Okay. He must have done it. They must have done it. They made disciples who made disciples who made disciples who made you, right? Okay. And so it worked. He never had a better group of people to work with. He just had the disciples and he sent them out. And they did it. And he said, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. Didn't he say that? Okay. So what are some commands? You know, when I read this the first time as a young adult who just came to Jesus, I I went, I want to know all the commands of Jesus. And I just, I read all through the Gospels and and had, you know, his words in red so it was easier. And I highlighted in my Bible every single place where he made a command. You know, just a sentence in the imperative mood. You know, do this, go. And I found that there were a lot of commands. And I just said, I want to obey all your commands. I want to honor them. You know, cherish them. Walk in, in those commands. And some of those commands were heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Okay, I had no previous training about what you can't do anymore. And so I just did them. And it worked. So did the disciples who made disciples who made disciples who made you teach you the commands to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons? Hopefully that's what's happening now. But many times the hard things that are impossible for us to do, some parts of the church just kind of drop them because they're impossible. But see, we're part of an eternal kingdom that does impossibilities. Yep, it says in Psalms that you're the God who only does wonders. That's all he does. Everything God does is a miracle. Miracles are the love language of heaven. And so what I'm seeing is a church that's right at that threshold going, okay, this is scary and we don't know what we're doing, but we're, we're going in. We're going in. And it takes some courage, takes some humility, because we're called to do things that are impossible and that we, haven't, we don't know how to do. And as, as you know, mature adults, we want to look good and we want to you know, learn how to do things so that we're good at them, so that we can do them well and we can appear very well before people as we do things. But in the kingdom, <laughs> maturity in the kingdom is not learning how to do it and getting really good at it and knowing everything. Maturity in the kingdom is an ever-increasing awareness of my absolute dependence on him. And it increases and increases. And so we've, you know, I've seen the dead raised. I've seen um, the sick healed. I've seen miracles. I've seen food multiplied. I've seen money multiplied, gas multiplied, weather changed, all kinds of things, just because he is who he says he is. Now, when we were teaching in this school of the spirit, like I said, the the new believers had no problem when we said heal the sick. They were excited that you could do that. But the young people that we were discipling who had been raised in Christian homes had the hardest time with healing the sick. They could prophesy. They could do all kinds of things. But they had too, too much 
teaching that told them it's not for today. It's a, you know, it doesn't always do it. It not, might not be his will. All of this stuff. So he had to teach them from the beginning. Um, but we lived in a mountain town. It was about uh, 3,000 meters high as a ski resort. And it had a lot of weather. I mean, I don't know if you in, you know, in George can imagine weather changing frequently, but <laughs> that's what we had too. <laughs> we could have snow in the middle of summer. Um, and so anything could happen. And, and it was a beautiful place, just like George's. And people came for weddings. And we had, you know, church outside in the parks. And we had church in the mountains. And, you know, all kinds of events outside because it's so beautiful. But there was always weather. You'd be, you know, having an outdoor wedding. And, you know, these storm clouds would roll over the mountains. And, and uh, you know, the mother of the bride go, would go, ah, we need to move inside. And, and I'd say to my disciples, uh, I go, hey, who wants to change the weather? And they'd all go, yeah, 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 let's do it. See, no one had ever told them that changing the weather ended with the apostles. Nobody had ever told them that you can't do that anymore. Jesus changed the weather. And so they just believed it and did it. And the weather changed. You know, all of a sudden they'd look at the black storm clouds, command them to part, call in the sun, and a beautiful day would appear, and that we'd have a wedding. Amazing how that works. And so, um, you, know, every, you know, every year I have my guys change the weather. <laughs> because you can do it. <laughs> now, changing the weather isn't, the end result, but it's an absolutely perfect picture for appropriating what God has in an invisible kingdom. See, he says, Paul says, we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so I'm more connected to an unseen, invisible kingdom than I am to the facts of this life. There's an economy in this world, and right now it can be really shaky. But I'm a citizen of a different kingdom, and I'm a f part of a different family, and his economy is never shaky. Okay, in, in, under his economy, miracles happen. You know, in the economy of this world, if you have a bank account, many of you might have, some of you might wish you had, but... <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> in the bank account it seems like there are never enough zeros at the end of your, your uh, tally to do all the things that you feel stirred in your heart to do but under this economy miracles happen who's had a financial miracle ever in their life anybody okay Praise God. Who thinks they might ever need another financial miracle? <laughs> That's what happens over here. Okay? And so I, I just want to um, share a story about, you know, changing the weather. Um, we, were, we went to Newport Beach, California, which is a beautiful, sunny beach location in Southern California. And we did a series of healing meetings, and lots of people got healed, um, 
amazing miracles happen. And, uh, you know, we had a whole series of meetings, like for five days. And it was beautiful weather every day. And so Monday was a free day, and we're going, ah, blue sky day at the beach. We're going to the beach. And so we're all excited about it. All of our friends in all these churches knew we were going to the beach on Monday. Um, and they also know that we have a reputation for changing the weather. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm just going to have, uh, and there's, this is what happened when we went to the beach. Blue sky for a whole week, and then boom, you know. Here we are on the beach, Newport Beach, California, and we get there, and, and it was so oppressively dark, you know. Uh, I mean, I, can, I have to admit, I even went, hmm, is this going to happen? <laughs> and so I told my, my students, I said, okay, final exam. <laughs> We're changing the weather. <laughs> We're going to have a blue sky day at the beach. So um, you can do the next picture, please. Okay, so we're looking for the sun, and, you know, finally we found it, it, you know, sort of through the clouds. Okay, next picture. So here we are standing, uh, you know, on the beach, looking out into the storm clouds, and, and the weather report said lightning storms, rain, pouring rain all day. And so we began to speak to those storm clouds. Now, and we began to tell them, you know, it's time to part. And, and see, the thing is, Behind those storm clouds, how many of you know there's a blue sky and a sunshine somewhere? Okay, so we became more connected to the blue sky and the sun behind the storm clouds than we were with the storm clouds. Now, like I said, this isn't just about changing weather. This is a perfect example of living by faith in the kingdom of God. There are storm clouds of life. There's the loss of a job. There's sickness. There's uh, relational dysfunction. There's, you know, all the problems of life. And there's storm clouds. And they're very visible. And they're all pervasive. There's, um, I mean, there are national economies. There's, um, I mean, there might be a problem or two in South Africa. I don't know. Um, <laughs> We have a few in the United States. <laughs> and we can look at those problems and they cover the whole sky. They become so big. But what we have to realize is that we're citizens of another kingdom and he's given us access. The Holy Spirit in us is the deposit who guarantees the inheritance. And what's the inheritance? It says we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It says the Holy Spirit in us, in John 16, takes what belongs to Jesus and manifests it to us. And so, you know, what we do is we connect with a greater reality that's behind the storm cloud reality. And it's the same thing when there's sickness and disease. I just got the report, uh, you know, as Pastor was sharing, uh, from the healing rooms yesterday in Redding, California, a young man came in and he had had twice had had uh, cancer and twice went through chemotherapy. The third time, this third time, they said it was all through him. Um, he had a place in his rib cage where they they removed a lot of cancerous, you know, destroyed material. He had um, tumors down his side that were, you know, hard and growing, and you could feel them. He was in hospice, which means basically, you know, we're going to take care of you until you die and try to make you comfortable. And he came to the healing rooms, and I have a video of him. And the team prayed for him, and the tumors all disappeared in his stomach. 
he gained, he, he became strong. He, all pain left his body and he went to find the hole in his back and he had a new rib and muscle on his back. Oh, Jesus did that yesterday. <laughs> He's been doing healing since we've been in, uh, you know, in South Africa. So, <laughs> there's storm clouds of sickness, and they can be overwhelming. And the discouragement can come with them. You know, we could take on discouragement when we want a blue sky day at the beach, and all we see are storm clouds. Dis- Circumstances can be discouraging, but when we partner with discouragement, there's a spirit that comes with it. And that's why we need to realize, okay, this is discouraging, but I'm going to partner with a kingdom that's invisible, and I'm going to connect with that kingdom. And so we connected with a greater reality, and we began to call that reality in. And we began to, you know, command this storm cloud reality to part. And so from the first of these pictures to the very last is a period of about 30 minutes. And so the next picture, if you change to that, okay, blue sky. Okay, this is called breakthrough. Hey, hey, sometimes when your pain is 10 out of 10 in your body and we pray and it goes down to a 9.7352, that's called breakthrough. And, And what we're learning to do is we're learning to Put our attention on what God is doing, not on the part that isn't finished yet. You know, that breakthrough of blue sky at the beach is tiny compared to the whole sky. But to us, it's our our breakthrough connection to the greater reality behind. And we we had a woman who had, um, she had 20 years of migraine headaches. And so we start praying for her. and, And... And I don't, after we pray, I don't say, how's your pain? Because that puts her attention back on her pain. So I ask, what's changing? What's different? She said, well, I still have this migraine headache, but my my feet are tingling. I went, yes, tingling feet, yay! Well, she wasn't so excited. You know, what's that mean? I said, hey, I think he's starting at the bottom and working his way up. And so she put all her attention, you know, off of the migraine headaches onto her tingling feet. And all of a sudden she goes, whoa, the tingling is increasing. Whoa, it's going up my ankles, up my legs to my knees. My whole legs are tingling. It's going up my torso. He tingled his way all the way from the bottom, out her, the top of her head, and 20 years of migraine headaches left. Ho! See, we have, to, we have to remember we don't tell God how to do things. We partner with what he's doing. I want you just to turn to your friends and uh, one of a neighbor sitting right next to you and point to your head and just say, there's a control freak who lives up here. <laughs> do not put your finger on your husband or wife's head, on your own head. <laughs> See, we want to be in control. We want to know how to do it. We want to learn how to heal the sick so we can heal the sick. He wants to have intimacy with us and do miracles and use us because that's who he is. Okay, so when we saw the breakthrough in the blue sky, we knew we had it. Boom, now we've got it. And so we began to speak to that blue sky and call it to increase. Okay, go to the next slide. 
Okay, see, it got, a li- it got a little bigger over there. I mean, it was a little bit resistant this day. We had to r- keep running north up the beach because it was trying to get away. But <laughs> well, we weren't going to let it. So we kept, ca- you know, calling it to increase, increase, ca- talking to that blue sky. Okay, the next slide. Oh, look at that. <laughs> okay, the next slide. Oh, whoa. You know, it's supposed to be thunderstorms all day long. Okay, next slide. Hey. <laughs> uh, and the next one. Okay, and the last slide, we went out on the pier because we wanted to have take a look. So this is, you know, all the, the storm clouds are moving up over the mountains and it's completely blue sky over the beach. <laughs> Ho! Now, it's fun to change the weather, but like I said, it's not all about changing the weather. It's the fact that we have a connection to a greater reality. The Holy Spirit in us is that connection. When Jesus gave his... Uh, you know, told them to go out, his disciples to go out healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers. It says he gave them power and authority. Okay, we've been given power and authority. We have the Holy Spirit not only within us as believers, but even through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's upon us, clothing us with power from on high. And we have authority. And, And you see, God initially gave authority on the planet to Adam and Eve. You know, they had dominion, and they were to bring the whole earth into submission, not to them to be tyrants, but no, to the kingdom of God, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And now we've been called again as his ambassadors, that all authority in heaven and on earth is his, and he's saying for us to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. And what I'm seeing is that, um, I, I really, like I said, I saw it in three nations. I see this, that nations are at the threshold. I was in Germany for two weeks this summer, and I go there every year, and I'm seeing a church rise up that's hungry. I, um, I had one of my former interns in Germany set up this uh, itinerary for me, and that rascal, he, <laughs> he had me in a different town every night, slept in a different bed every night. I did 16 meetings in 11 days. and um, <laughs> But the amazing thing was, everywhere I went, in towns I'd never heard of, people I'd never met, the, every building was packed, just packed with people. In Germany, hungry, hungry people in every town wanting to know that God is real and we can have an encounter with the living God and we can see him do miracles. And, and healing for me is like the bait. Um, in, in reality, all I want to talk about is a living God and an open heaven, you know, because we have access to everything. But what people need is healing because we all know someone who is in need of healing or perhaps we are. Everybody knows somebody in need of healing. And so healing isn't, You know, the whole thing, but it's right at the center of the gospel as he came to restore things. And so we saw miracles throughout Germany. We saw, actually, um, a a father and his 19-year-old son came to me in in a meeting in Germany. And he said, uh, you you won't recognize this, but we were here 10 years ago when my son was nine. And you preached a a healing meeting in Kreuzlingen, Switzerland, which I had. 
And during the worship, you were just kind of prowling around the building, which I like to do. It's uh, <laughs> releasing little bits of mischief here and there or whatever God wants to do. And, and they said, you know, worship was going on and you came up and came around to the back and I was there with my nine-year-old son and you just put your hand on his head for a little while, worship's going on, and then you just moved on. And, and I didn't even remember it. And it was 10 years ago. And he said, what you didn't know was that my nine-year-old son had been diagnosed, at, you know, as a, a young child with um, severe autism, you know, severely autistic for all those nine years. But from that moment on, autism left. Ah. Here's the 19-year-old son, and he's saying, you know, I'm not, I don't have autism. I started going to school, and the teacher said, something's different. They put me in regular classes. I can read. I can communicate. He was the drummer in the worship band now. I mean, his whole life changed. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I'm just, but what I was doing was being aware of the presence that I carry that I am the temple of the living God. This is the holy of holies. And I like to walk around aware of his presence and just let him do whatever he wants to do. And sometimes we know what we're doing when we partner with him and we command cancer to leave and we release heal the healing power of Jesus and wonders happen. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing. I've seen um, a guy with 40 years of, of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, instantly set free, and I didn't even know what he had. He was just this angry-looking, giant, muscular guy who said, pray for me. You know, and and I, I didn't even pray. I just wrapped my arms around him and sucked him in and hugged him, and he began to weep. And the, He said he had never experienced love in his entire life, and in that moment, he said, the love of the Father came into me, and it left. Whatever it was, gone. I didn't have to yell at PTSD and command it to leave. I just brought a kingdom that I'm aware of inside of me and that wraps itself around me. And in him I live and move and have my being. And, and this is what God's looking for as a people who, who will connect with what God says is true about us. Know our identity in Christ. Know what we have available to us because of everything that he's done. And walk around and carry that and speak into the storm clouds of life and command them to part, and call in a kingdom, a greater kingdom, into this reality, and see circumstances and situations change. And that's what I've sensed in, you know, especially in Germany, Australia, and, and here in South Africa, that there's a, there's a big, big church, a large group of people from, you know, different denominations. We were in Cape Town, and 115 pastors from all different churches all came to this one meeting and God poured out his spirit. It was glorious. I, I didn't know that, you know, five pastors sometimes could get together, but 115 of them. <laughs> and I just saw the church poised on the threshold of what we might call revival, revival, reformation, restoration, renaissance, you know, just a new day poised in the threshold, ready to step into the impossible. But what it takes, it takes us, each one of us, connecting with him in the secret place. Okay, 
we can connect on, on Sundays like this. It's wonderful. It's a great thing. It, it, you know, it boosts us, and, and it's a, a wonderful thing to share that connection with others. But it's for each one of us to look into his word and go, oh, i got to have that. Oh, what? I'm the son that you love? Oh, I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? What does that look like? I want to take it out for a test drive. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind so that you can prove his good and pleasing and perfect will. I want to be the proof of God's will everywhere I go. I don't want to, you know, just stumble upon things. I want to, I want to be so in touch with him. And I'm constantly taking his promises out for a test drive. Because there are a lot of promises. And what does that scripture say? Some of the promises of God are yes in Jesus. And no, oh, what? Oh, how many? Oh, oh, whoa. That's a lot of promises. I, I saw a picture of that in my mind one day. I saw, you know, here's the father sitting on the throne. And he gets an idea, a promise. And he says, I'm going to... For Forgive all their sins and heal all their diseases. Does it say that in the word? Yep, Psalm 103. And here's Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and he goes, yes, I am the yes to the I bought it for them with my own blood on the cross. I am the yes to that promise of God. And so we can argue on earth and say, well, you know, maybe he's not willing today. Maybe, you know, he doesn't heal anymore. Maybe um, it's not his will. Maybe it's not my timing. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Jesus never in the Gospels said to anybody, it's not your time. You got to repent of all your sins first. No, he healed them. And then he said, go and sin no more. It, healing isn't something we work for. It's a free gift. Salvation's a free gift. The Holy Spirit's a free, it's all a free gift. And there's always a lie to get us to try to work for something that was already freely given. And if we as the church, when, when we don't see somebody get healed, we say, well, you know, I think you must have sin in your life. You, but you, you need to forgive somebody. You know. We're setting up a bunch of hoops that says, you know, if you can do this and do it right, you'll get healed. But we don't get healed because we do it right. We get healed because he did it right 2,000 years ago on the cross. It's called a gift. And we have to stop setting up hurdles for people based on our experience. You know, the church so many times says, uh, you know, well, it didn't happen, so it must not be his will. When it doesn't happen... You know, I, I've prayed for people and seen them healed. I've prayed for people who died and seen them risen from the dead. I've prayed for people and not seen them healed. i prayed for people and they didn't come back from the dead. Based on my experience, I'd say sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. But that's not what the word says. And so I'm, all, I'm going to set the standard of God's word here. And I'm never going to lower the standard of his word to my experience. I'm going to keep the standard of his word. All who came to Jesus were healed. Everyone he went to was healed. That's the standard. 
And until my experience comes up to the level of his, his word, I'm going to keep declaring his word as the truth. And when my experience doesn't come up to that, what I say is, well, it's just wrong. People say, how do you reconcile it? I don't reconcile it. It's just wrong. I'm not going to say you're wrong or blame you. I'm not going to say I'm wrong. I'm, not going to, I'm certainly not going to offended, get offended at God or blame him. <laughs> Wait a minute. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the guy we need to be offended at and get mad at, not God. He's our source. And every time the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. So every time the enemy is ripping you off, you know, financially, in business, in relationship, in your marriage, in, uh, in your, your health or anything, we, we can focus on that, the storm cloud, or we can go, ah, that means you're here bringing life and life more abundantly. I want to turn my attention to you. And I want to find out what you're doing. And I want to partner with you. And I'm not going to tell you how you have to do it because I'm not the control, the controller. I'm going to go, yes, to the promises of God. Yes, to Jesus. Because you know, that's what it says. All of God's promises, Jesus paid for and says yes to. All of them. And we who are in Christ, what do we say? Amen. What's amen mean? Amen means what he said. Yeah. Yeah, what he said. I'm with him. <laughs> we agree with him. Not agree with circumstance. Not agree with the lies of the enemy. Not agree with anything else but what God said. And I'm going to agree with that. And, and my faith doesn't rise or fall by what I see happen. Because my faith isn't in you know, a temporal thing I'm going to believe until I see what I want. Now, I'm going to believe for the rest of my life in him, who he is in his truth, until all my experiences rise up. Amen? Can we do that? Amen. Shoo, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we are your people. We're called the people of God. Now, go ahead and stand up for a moment, please. We're going to have a time of ministry, and I know that it's, people have to leave and stuff has to happen and whatever, but you know, we'll have a time of ministry with the ministry team up here to, to pray for people. But um, if you need healing in your body, would you just raise your hand? Okay, the healer's here. And it's not people. I'm not the healer. My team, I have three of my team here. The other one got sucked into the the kids church because he's a big kid <laughs> but we're not the healers the healer is in the room and you have permission to get healed right now in your seat you have permission to get healed as you know our team leads us in worship you have permission to get healed as you walk out the door as you get in your car you know and we won't partner with discouragement if it doesn't happen this second but we're going to partner with him and go, okay, I'm going to start looking for what you are doing. Not for what I didn't see you do, but for what you are doing. I'm going to start looking for that little patch of blue sky because it's going to come. And many times we pray for people and they go home, they go to bed, they wake up in the morning and somehow accidentally they wake up healed. And nobody knows how it happened. 
So God, thank you that you are the healer in the midst of us. And we release healing in every body in this room. Healing for our loved ones at home. Healing from every uh, terminal condition. Yep. Healing. Healing of wounds. Healing of bodies. Healing of souls. Full restoration for every one of us into the fullness of the children of God. Divine health. Strength for bodies. Yep. It says... The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and gives life to our physical bodies by his spirit. So, yeah, just you, you who need healing, just turn your attention inside and go, oh, yes, Holy Spirit, yes, please. I'll take life in my cells, in my heart, in my liver, in my brain, in every part of my body. I'll take the, the life of God, yes. Turn me from death to life. Yep, resurrection life in bodies today. Yep, yep, just reach out and it's in the very atmosphere. You can have it. Resurrection life.